very appropriate if I could just pray so sincerely, Lord. There are people in this room that need help knowing you're near. Praise team didn't know what I was going to teach or preach, but I believe what we're about to divvy out is going to help them to know you're near. <laughs> it's going to help us to know, Lord, that you're involved in the affairs of our life. And so, Father, that's what I'm going to pray today. I, I'm not going to try to cover every crevice, but, Lord, help us to get ground on the revelation of who you are. Or as First Lady taught three, four years ago, a greater awareness of God. But not just God, but God in us. <clears throat> so we thank you for that, Lord. I pray that you'll speak through my lips, think through my mind. Use my vocal cords for your glory. Like you, Paul, told rather Titus that, that, that he would preach that which become a sound doctrine. Father, help me to do that today. And Lord, you helped us already in offering exhortation. I know that was helpful. But now, God, in the word of God, let it be so fruitful and bountiful for the growth of the people of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. All right, come on. Give them a Exactly where we're going today, uh, in the form of an introduction, you can start my clock. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna help you to know God is near. <laughs> we we're gonna help you today to know that not only is God near, God is in you. It's not just near; He's near, He's in you, and He is active. Amen. So we've been talking about that a little bit, revelatory to uh, relative, excuse me, to. Uh, Ephesians 6 and 10, which you don't need to turn here, you know it by heart, be strong in the Lord and in the power of whose might? His might. I'm not going to be strong in the power of my own might. I'm going to be strong in the power of who? His might. Now, we're going to focus on that uh, a little bit throughout this message as a theme verse. And we've been talking about how to be a strong Christian. Who wants to be a strong Christian? I said this way, who wants to be able to pray and say amen and there it is? Yeah. That is indicative of being a strong Christian because we know that's true because the Bible says relative to Abraham and Abraham not being weak in faith, which means there are levels and types of faith. And um, the stronger my faith is, the more buoyant my faith is, the quicker certain things can and will come to pass in my life. That is a part of being a strong Christian. Then there are other parts of being a strong Christian, like, like knowing the Bible will help you to be a strong Christian. Knowing how to listen to the voice of God is one of the greatest ways of being a strong Christian. Amen. Because my people are destroyed, Hosea 4 and 6, because of a lack of knowledge. You, you can lose as a Christian because of something you just didn't know. So part of being strong as a Christian is also having having knowledge that strengthens you. But our theme verse today will come from 2 Timothy 1 and 6, and then we will probably start at 3 on down to 7 later on if we get there. But I want to give you my subject on this, how to be a strong Christian out of 2 Timothy 1 and 6, where Paul teases off to the fact that sometimes we need reminders to work on something. Things don't just automatically roll out. You know, it's kind of like coming out of a faith conference and you're buoyant in faith and then 
two, three months later, how many of you know you need a reminder to keep decreeing the word of God? You need a reminder to speak the word only. You need a reminder that faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Nothing about the things of God will ever get old. We got to constantly be reminded of their effectiveness in our life. Peter said, I will not fail to put you in remembrance, right? And Paul says something very similar to his son in the gospel. He said, therefore, I remind you. I bring it back to your remembrance. Be mindful, Timothy, young pastor, to stir yourself up or better to stir up the gift of God. Where is the gift? No, it's already in you. It's already in you, but you got to what? You got to stir it up. It's already who you are. We have a treasure in earthen vessel, but it is on me, it's incumbent on me to pay attention to my Christian development, to do Christianity, to get up and pray. I gave you the four levels of that. Amen. To be in a community of believers, to be around right associations, to be urgent about time. You remember those points? So if you need points, just go back to Thursday. We're going to Revelation today. Is that okay? So it's on you to be about prayer, you to be about all these other things. But fundamentally, you got to stir up the gift, that word gift being the type of the word charisma. You stir up the grace of God that's already on you. Use it. Everybody say use it. Anything you have in your pocket right now is as good as its use, <laughs> which is why Christianity is something you got to do. Your car will not start just because you walk past it. Amen. You got a key. You got something that you got to use, right? And that is a type of stirring up the gift. I'm going to put you in remembrance to do what, Timothy? Stir up the gift of God, which is where? Already in you. I want to make a statement. You have all the power that you will ever have in you right now. Now, faith does grow and faith does development. Develop, but from the day you got born again and, parenthetically, filled with the Holy Ghost, all the power that you will ever have and ever need is already in you right now. It's our job to what? Stir it up. You ever had a can of paint? Amen. What's the first thing they do down at Lowe's? Oh, yeah, they shake it up for you, and they stir it up. And then when you get home, if you let it sit too long, what do you need to do? Get that wood stick, and you got to stir it up. Why are you stirring it up? Because it'll spread better. You get more productivity out of it when you, amen, especially oil-based paint. You got to stir that thing up real good in order for it to be effective. Well, this is what God is saying. He's saying, I want to remind you to be sure, amen, to perpetuate, to to, to fertilize, to shake up the gift of God. There are things you guys already know, but you got to bring it back. Like you bring back the paint color. You got to bring those ideas back. Yeah, I do got to speak the word. I do got to act in faith. I do got to act like I already have it. I do got to decree a thing before it is established. I do have to follow them who through faith and patience and, and hear the promise. Sometimes it's not about what you, what you got to do. Sometimes it's about what you got to rest in. I'm already doing. I just need to trust and know that God has already done it. And that's a part of stirring up the gift that was already in you through the laying on of hands. So we're talking today about how to be a strong Christian. And our specific subject is stir it up. Everybody say, go ahead and stir it up. Yeah, you got you to gotta stir up the gift. Now, 
Being strong in the Lord and in the power of his might come from this word endunamu, endunamu, which means to empower. Endunamu, to empower. So what God is saying is that as you stir up the gift, the gift is the grace of God and the empowerment of God. I am going to empower you to get things done in the earth realm that you otherwise would not able to be able to do. I want you to stir up the gift because what's going to make your situation change is not what you can do in the natural. It's more of what you can do in the supernatural because I've already done it in the supernatural. So when you tap into me, I hope you can keep up with me today. Amen. That which I have already fixed is going to be fixed because you're going to bring my will on earth just like it is in heaven. You're going to manifest what I want to see get done on earth just like it's being done in heaven. Now, before you're able to stir up the gift and manifest what I want to see done in the earth just like it is in heaven, you need to know the things that inhibit you or the things that make you a weak Christian. Do y'all remember that? Right? Circumstances. You remember that? What about people? What about projecting the fear of what will happen if things go another way? What about concern? Do y'all remember that from Thursday night? One of the reasons why you can't activate fully in the gift that's inside of you is because, this is from God, my gift, my charisma, the gift that's in uh, the verse in Timothy has to filter through your flesh. It's got to go through wrong thinking sometimes. And then it's got to go through wrong actions, which is why you got to bring your mind to renewal. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind. Now, what are you renewing your mind to? The gift. You're renewing your mind to the real power you got. One of the worst things to be, and you see this on superhero movies, is when they're first rookies at first, Spider-Man didn't know he could shoot webs. Isn't that right? Didn't know he could crawl, walk, climb walls and all those kind of good things. And he's walking around with all this power, and it's not appropriated yet because he's not trained that power, he's not stirred up that power, and he's not put on the appropriate suit so that that power can be directed the right way. Well, the Bible says that you're to put on Christ Jesus. And when you put Jesus on, he's going to help you to appropriate that treasure that's on the inside. And you're going to decree a thing, Job 22 and 28, and it's going to be established. Because you'll no longer have inhibitors as to why it can't come to pass. I wish I was in the right room. There'll no longer be anything stopping it. Now, I'm going to add to your list another inhibitor, and I promise you, this is the thing that's making most of you limit your power. You got power, but it is limited by something known as false doctrines. Now, false doctrines is not just words that say Jesus was a prophet, like my Islamic friends would say, Muslim friends would say, rather. That is a form of a false doctrine, but uh, that, that, is, that is a false religion, false doctrine, and that's easy to override. I can't compare Jesus to Elijah Muhammad because one got up and the other's still dead. 
So if they were on the same level and they were both prophets, then Elijah Muhammad has to get up. But since he ain't got up, then I can't be a Muslim. And I can't believe that Jesus was just a prophet. No, he was a prophet, but he is the son of the living God. For this reason was Jesus born to make manifest. Right? For this reason was the son of God manifest to destroy the works of the devil. He's more than just a prophet. He's the savior of the world. Isn't that right? Now, that's a form of a false doctrine, but that is not what most people. Now, some of you may be teetering and tottering on different religions, and you're going to get real confused, and it's going to jack your life up, and you're going to be of the Baha'i faith and 5% of one day, and then you're going to realize that Buddha's just a fat statue, and you're going to give up on that, and you're going to give up on something else. Before you know it, you're just going to be lost in your own mind. All right? So that's confusion. But I'm talking more about the false doctrines of your own created ideas your own teachings that you have taught yourself. God, this is good. Your own truths that you have adapted off of, watch this, this is how you get into some false doctrines, your own traditions. Things that you learned down through the years of your life that helped you frame and shape God in a certain bubble. God can do this, but he does not do that. Sometimes he does, Sometimes he doesn't, relative to healing. Well, how did you get there? Well, because when my aunt got sick, she didn't get healed, right. And there were 101 variables as to why your aunt decided to go to heaven instead of receiving by his stripes, she was already healed. And that's okay, because Paul said if this earthly tabernacle were to dissolve, we got a better place anyway. To live is Christ and to die is gain. All of us are going to die, but that don't mean that Jesus is not already healed. By his stripes, you were healed, but your experience is relative to healing because you still battle a certain condition, whatever it is, say diabetes, whatever the case may be, you begin to frame your mind around a doctrine relative to that condition when in fact the power to heal you of that condition is already on the inside. Electricity had already been in the earth realm before Thomas Edison was ever born. But somebody had to figure out how to harness it. And now we have light outside of just a candlestick. Are you all getting this revelation? So there are our own doctrines that we create. Come on, stay with me. That create a certain level or mindset of thinking. And in so many ways, y'all, it cripples us. And I don't want it to cripple you anymore. So let's just have a little bit fun with some ideologies that people have had down through the years, you know, that is relative to limiting the power of God that's on the inside of you. How many of you know his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts? If you know that's the case, go ahead and throw your hands in the air. You know his ways are not our ways and his thoughts, eh. I'm so glad the first lady didn't raise her hand. <laughs> Wrong answer. Somebody said, oh, no, no, he's teaching something basic. You, no, you see, that's why you got to listen. Oh, help us, Pastor. Let's look at that scripture. Go to Isaiah chapter 55. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Oh, you heard some tremendous Baptist preacher as he got to the end of his message. And um, his ways are not our ways, mm, Lord. And his thoughts are not our thoughts. Mm, well, his ways are not our ways. 
and his stones, none of them. Yeah! 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 His ways are not always. And his stones, none of them. But that's not Bible. That's not scriptural. But depending on your pedigree of church and what you learn down through the years, you can adapt an idea that limits the power of God from flowing like he wants it to flow. Because if you don't have his ways or his thoughts, you can never move like he moves. And if you can't move like he moves, you can't believe like he believes. Have faith in God. Have the faith of God. Let's walk through that a little bit. Who is Isaiah talking to when he makes the claim that his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts? First things first, you got to put the scripture in context and go to who he's talking to. Let the wicked forsake his ways. Ask your neighbor one question. Are you the wicked? Because I'm not the wicked. So that means anything that follows this subject is not for me. As a preacher, I can learn this so I can help the wicked to forsake their ways, but I don't adapt the limitations of the wicked in my own life. Y'all ain't going to say nothing. So let the wicked do what? Forsake his ways. And the unrighteous man, his thoughts go, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. I thought Jesus made us righteous. I thought we had the righteousness of God. That's what I thought. I just thought that when we got born again, the righteousness of God was on. In fact, one of your favorite verses, and seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You don't make yourself righteous, but you do pursue his right way after you become righteous. Isn't that Bible? The blood of Jesus makes you righteous. Isn't that right? So let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous do what? Man, his what? His what? Now I'm going to talk to you about the thoughts that you need to forsake. Forsake his thoughts. You return to the Lord. The Lord will have mercy on him and to our God, and he will abundantly pardon. Why, wicked? Why people who need to forsake your thoughts? For my thoughts are not the wicked man's thoughts. My ways are not the wicked man's ways. Good God, this is good teaching today. You see how you just get stuff stripped off of you when you go to a good church? Yeah, I don't think, God said, I don't think on that level. I don't think on a level that I don't heal. I don't think on a level that you got to compromise yourself, young lady, and live with a man for five years with him making no marital commitment. So forsake your ways because I want you to have a husband who thinks like me. I want you to think higher thoughts, amen, than some alternative lifestyle. I can do better than that. My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, wicked man, saith the Lord. Are you all learning anything this morning? Look at verse number one. For as high as the heavens 
are higher than the earth, so are my ways than your ways, wicked man. And my thoughts, not Christians, not believers, not fellow Israelites, not the people of God, but who is the subject of Isaiah 55 and 9? The wicked. Did we blow a container off that has been limiting the power of God on your life? Because if you are thinking that you can't think like God, well, then you can't let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. And if you can't let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, you can't let your heart not be troubled. And that's why you're worried all the time. You can't allow the spirit of God to rest, rule and abide on you. God said, I didn't say that about you. That don't got nothing to do with you. And whom is he talking to? The wicked. I'm not going down with the wicked. The way of the transgressor is hard. But I came that you might have life and you might have it, baby, more abundantly. Shout if you know you got a right to a better way of living than the wicked man. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. Wicked man is the context because that is the subject of this verse. Are you all seeing that? So can you see how we already tore up a tradition? That's just one. So if that's one that you have traditionally held on to, what else in your life could be limiting the treasure that you have in earthen vessels? There are some people who live beneath their privileges financially because they just believe that money makes them evil. That's not Bible. Bible never said that. Bible said the love of money is the root cause of all me. Have money, just don't. I have never pulled money out of my pocket and kissed it. I kiss Stephanie, but I don't kiss money. I've never hugged money. You know, eat money, it'll make you sick. I don't even like playing with money too long. Y'all know money is dirty. You know that? Amen. And particularly if you didn't get it minted out of the bank, you know where else your money may have been? I'm trying to be tactful, but some money is stink. I don't play with money too much. Just take it out, spin it. Give me some hand sanitizer. I don't love money. Money is dirty. Amen. Or the paper form of it. Right. But somebody will be limited in life. They won't have money. They won't give money. They won't be prosperous because somebody pigeonholed them relative to money. Are you seeing how the power of God can't flow? And all of that. Get back to the subject is 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 relative to a doctrine that you either created or adapted to limit yourself in some area of God's Godship in your life. But God says, I didn't limit you, you limited yourself, and this is how you become a weak Christian. But if you want to be a strong Christian, just for the next few weeks while we're on this series, I want everybody in the room to take all your preconceived notions and throw them in the trash. I promise you, if I teach you anything that sounds strange, you be like the Bereans and seek out the scripture and see that the things that I say are true. You go get your Bible and you read it and you study it out and you make sure what I'm saying is true. But like Isaiah chapter 55, when I show you the subject in verse, how dare you leave church still saying his ways are not our ways. If you do that, you came to church for nothing. You'd have been better to stay home today. As I hear the word, I tweak my life to it. 
as I hear the gospel preached, amen, I grow in enhancing it. Somebody say amen. amen. Oh, there are many doctrines I used to think were, were correct. Amen. Even in my early years of pastor, then I got exposed to more. And I said, no, no. Now, if he said by his stripes you were healed, is there an exception in that verse? No. Were healed means... So I need to adjust my antenna if I'm not living out, we're healed. The problem is never God. The problem has got to be me. I wish I had some help. But because of pride and arrogance and what other churches have taught you about how great thou art, instead of teaching you humility and how to be taught and learned so that you can grow in the things of God, it has limited the power of God in that area. But everybody say, not for me, not ever again. Somebody lift your hand and say, teach me, God. Come on, say, teach me, God. Hallelujah. Because you can't rekindle the fire if you don't know what fires you're supposed to be rekindling. Do I have some help in the room? We're going to get rid of some bad doctrine in here because you want the power of God. You want the ability of God to be flowing through every area of your life. You don't want any area in your life to be deficit to, to the move of God. I want the move of God, amen, start at the most basic level in my money. That's fundamental. That's basic. But I want the move of God relative to faith, relative to the Holy Spirit. How many people in here, you want to be able to hear God clearly? Wouldn't it be great every day to not have to second guess whether or not that was God? You know what? That's a a, a type of weakness. That's an area then that needs to be developed. So I want to strengthen, this is why we just preached it a couple of weeks ago, sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feeling, but my God, these days in this dark world, if you're not sensitive to the Holy Spirit, you'll do anything they tell you to do. Whatever they tell you to take, you'll take it. You're more sensitive to quote-unquote professionals than you are to the Holy Spirit. I wish I had some help in the room. Don't come telling me that everybody we see out in the world dropping dead just all of a sudden. You say what you want. You believe what you want, but we were right. We were right when we told you what we told you. Hallelujah. This world, amen, believes in population decline. And they will do anything to get you out of the way. And please humor me, and particularly if your skin is brown. You believe whatever you want. So you go take whatever you want, have whatever you want. Don't get mad at me. Seeing a bunch of 20 and 30-year-olds all of a sudden just dropping dead. And that's the stuff they're telling you. And if that made it to the news, it's because they had to tell it. What about all the people they ain't told you about? Are you listening to me? But somebody adopted a doctrine about that. Somebody went with the world and the world's ideologies and the world philosophies, and that can get you off track. Are you all still here? Are you all still with me this morning? So you got to get back to understanding that there is no area of my life where I want to be deficit. I don't want to be deficit in my money, in my marriage. I want my marriage to be like God's ways. I want my marriage to function the way God wants it to function. I don't want to be susceptible to adultery. I don't want to be susceptible to some other God-forsaken lifestyle in marriage. I want to live a happy marriage on this earth until I go to heaven. Well, all of that has to do with being a strong Christian relative to marriage. And knowing that he that findeth a wife findeth a what? 
a good thing. And understanding that a woman, a wife, should submit to her, her okay, are you going to finish my phrases? Should submit to who? As long as he's not telling you to jump off a bridge. Right? You should be functioning and flowing in tandem with the move of God. That is, that is what God wants. The youth just came in here. Well, a child ought to honor his mother and his father all the days of his life so that Ephesians 6, it will be well with him. But when he's rebelling against his mother, y'all stay with me. The only thing that has occurred is he adopted a new doctrine. That's all it is. It is a limiter on who he could be in God. But he started believing something different. If you're still with me, somebody say amen. Go to Titus chapter 2 and verse number 9. I'm going to teach you how to be a strong Christian, baby. Oh, hallelujah. Are you getting anything out of this? Titus chapter 2 and verse number 9. And we're going to show you how to do your part, and then we're going to help you to understand how to let God do what? His part. Everybody say, everybody got a part. Oh, this is good stuff, but let's stay on that doctrine a little bit more. Over in Titus chapter 2, verse number 9, exhort bond servants. Everybody say, that's us. Amen. Are you a servant of God? Yes. But add value to that. Are you also a son of God? Everybody say both. Both. My son is my son, but when I tell him go get the trash, guess what else he is? Yes. He's a bond servant. He's a bond servant. I tell my daughter, go upstairs and get your stuff so we can go. She, she is a, a bond servant. She is, she is an heir, but her blessings as an heir are directly linked to how she serves the father. Can I pause right there for a second? You want the benefits of God, but you don't want to serve. You want to function in the power of God. Hallelujah. Teach Pastor Rogers. But you want to be lackluster in what you want to dedicate to God. Yes, you are a son and daughter to God, but the benefits of God come with service. They come with honoring God. He said through Samuel, I will honor them that honor me. Y'all, this is a good lesson if you stay with me. You want to be a strong Christian, amen, learn what Jesus meant when he said, I present to you as one who serves. I present to you as one who serves. Are you all listening to this? Right? Because you are a what servant? You're a bond servant of God. I can't tell you the amount of date nights that got put on pause because somebody went to the hospital. I remember one time we was driving to the restaurant to eat and a precious member was getting rushed and it, it was so God, uh, the hospital exit was right there when I got the call. And, and in fact, that member's in the church right now. I'm looking at her. And I took that exit. And when she got to the hospital, she was able, amen, to have her pastor. Are you seeing this? But that's because you are a bond servant of the Lord. Amen. You got the incentives of Christianity, but you got the responsibility. But some of us have a false doctrine of easy grace that has dismissed you of all responsibility of Christianity you can do whatever you're big and bad enough to do, stay on Pornhub as long as you want to stay on it, live like you want to live, and yet still have full and total access to being a strong Christian and the power of God in your life. And it don't work that way because, yes, you are a son, but you are also a bond servant. Am I teaching okay, Dave? So exhort Christians is what Paul told Pastor Rogers to do. 
I'm like Titus. I'm his young pastor. Exhort them, Gabe, the bondservants, to be obedient to their own masters. We're talking about your doctrine. To be well-pleasing. Here we go. Comprehensive Christianity. And how many things? And all things not answering back. This is so good. How many people will go uh, 45 minutes into the sermon before they believe one thing the pastor said? But God said not answering. Can I make a real strong statement? I don't care if you think what I'm saying is right. I got the fruit to prove it. What you got? I mean, that's that arrogance again, because, I mean, at the end of the day, who be the people that's second-guessing? Broke, busted, disgusted, despondent, don't have no fruit of the root, but going to sit there and speculate, I don't know about that. Right! That's why you're that way. Instead of a little bit of humility, then the Bible say not answering back. Being able to receive something. Because you had a doctrine that was off. If 80% of the church raised their hand when we said, how many of you know his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts? Now, unless you lied, you didn't know that. Boy, it's quiet. Give me a pen. I'm so glad somebody over here was humble enough. Thank you. Thank you, Tony. She said, I didn't know that. I heard it. Right? No, you didn't know that. So you don't know what you don't know. And that's why the Bible says wisdom is the principal thing. And all you're getting, get an understanding. Well, why did God tell you to get an understanding? I'm going to go through this scripture. Because a lack of understanding leads to today's subject, weakness. Whatever I don't understand, I'm not good at. Come on, how many people in the room right now, and there are a few, I, I'm seeing some of my CPA folk and, and mathematic people are in the room right now, so some of you, you don't qualify for this, but, but how many people right now, you would just be so good and satisfied if I brought a whiteboard out here and put some trigonometry and geometry and calculus on the screen, and I said, come on up here and work that problem out. How many people in the room, you would just leap to the challenge and do it in front of all the people watching? You would just know your stuff. Of course, because it's not your area. God is always expanding us so that his power can flow in new areas of our life. But if you took a semester of trigonometry and calculus and geometry, you could come up and say, oh, I understand that. And my God, once you get the understanding of God, that's when you start prospering in your life. And that's why I want to hear the word every day. That's why I want to get more. That's why I want to be infiltrated. Y'all, I listen to preachers preach principles that I already know because I know that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the... So admonish bondservants to be obedient to people teaching them and to be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back. But let's get to the doctrine. Look at verse number 10. Amen. Not stealing but must show themselves to be entirely trustworthy and good that they will make the doctrines, that they will make the teaching about God our Savior, watch comprehensive Christianity, attractive in every way. Good God Almighty. That's New Living Translation. Who wants to be attractive in their Christianity in every way? Man, you strong in relationship. You strong in the power of God. 
You strong in your finances. You strong in the knowledge of the word. You strong in faith. Who wants to be attractive in every way? God, that's good stuff. And in order to be strong in every way, come on, let's use the example of a body. There, there are many men, amen, who enjoy upper body training. Amen. And you see them walking around, they look right buff until you see them in the summertime. And they got on some khaki shorts and you look at their legs and there's a incongruence. They like this up here and when you get down here, are y'all seeing where I'm coming from? But that's because there is one area by which they were willing to develop But the other area, which, by the way, can be hard to develop. Oh, you ever done calf raises? Oh, my God. Whoo, Jesus. Amen. Those other areas make you just not feel like doing it. And what I'm saying is, is you got to put attention on the areas of your life that are deficit, the areas of your life that don't look like what God wants them to look like so you can be attractive in every way. God, this is good teaching. Yo, I want to be attractive in... Every way. Every way. I don't want to just be a Sunday morning Christian. I want to be attractive seven days a week. I want to decree a thing and it's established right then. I want to speak to mountains and they really move. Hallelujah. I want to tell pain that nothing shall by any means hurt me and it stop hurting me. And all that comes as a result of being a what? A strong Christian. Now this is going to bless you. You don't have to turn here. Just listen for a little bit. Why was Jesus so strong? Because according to scripture, he had the spirit without measure. This is so good. Jesus had the spirit of God without measure. Do y'all know what that means? There was no limit on the spirit and presence of God on Jesus. Listen, all the time. Once he got baptized, once he, once he got his commission from the father. He had officially the spirit, how? Without measure. Now, don't misappropriate this because these works will you do and greater works because I go to the Father. How many of y'all know you got the same spirit inside of you? But wait now. On any given day, you have the spirit with measure depending on what your disposition is that day. So if you're all vexed and full of an attitude, do you think the power of God is working? Because <laughs> you know what you got? The spirit with measure. If you just can't wait to get out of church because you need to go to Silver Corral, do you have the spirit without measure right now? You don't have the spirit without measure. If you've already closed your Bible on the first two scriptures, do you have the spirit without measure? You don't have the spirit without measure. If you can't stop arguing with your wife, amen, over the fact that she made okra tonight instead of string beans, and both of them are green, guess what you don't have? Y'all are quiet. Oh, but bad doctrines. What about if you're discouraged all the time? See, those other examples were easy. But I'm talking about what if you're always down and out, always low, always concerned, always, mm, is it going to work out? Do you have the spirit without measure in those moments? No, it's limited. And it's limited by what I'm about to show you. Now let's go to our text. Are you learning anything? All right, let's go to our text and let's really fan this out. 
because everything you'll ever need is already on the inside of you. Now go to 2 Timothy, and let's look at verse number 3, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, y'all, we just going to enjoy this thing. Somebody shout, I love the word. Yeah, and then we showing you whose part first. Our part. Amen. Anybody got time for God's part? All right, for let's, let's learn our part, and then we're going to switch over to God's part. Over in 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verse number 3. Now, I want you to see in this verse a position on this verse that you may not have ever thought about. Now, you may have. I'm not assuming I'm the only one who's ever seen this. But you may not have ever thought about it this way. Everybody quotes, but God has not given us the spirit of fear, but that of power, love, and a what? What's the weapons to fear? Power, love, and a sound mind. So if I'm ruminating and I'm afraid and I'm scared all the time, I don't have the spirit of God without measure, which means I have limited, not because the power isn't there, but I have because of the status, and I'm going to show it to you, because of the status of my soul, I have limited the flow of God. Is that all right this morning? So the Bible says in verse number three, and look at Paul's regimen. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience. Now, let's talk about the things that Paul was able to do. Did he raise the dead? Yes. Did people get healed in his services? Acts 14, he says, I perceive that you got faith and somebody's total body got strength. Isn't that right? Paul was so anointed that he could send cloths that touched his body. And other people get that cloth and the power of God flow through that cloth. Isn't that right? So Paul was a powerful man. But let's really, instead of just looking at, amen, stirring up the gift, we're going to get there. Instead of looking at God has not given us the spirit of fear, but that a love, power, and a sound mind, we're going to get there. But let's understand why and how Paul had this revelation. He said, I, amen, thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did as without ceasing. Good God. As without what? What does that mean? To be constantly doing something. Why was Paul so strong, Mom? Because without ceasing, he had a prayer life. Joe, is that awesome or what? (laughs) You just encouraged me. Joe said, that's awesome. I thank God who I serve out of a pure conscience as my forefathers did because or as without ceasing, I remember you, Timothy, in my prayers, Paul. How often do you pray? Night and day. Well, pastor, I got to go to work. You don't understand. I got an eight-hour job. How am I going to sit on my knees and pray? That's a traditional doctrine. The Bible says watch. Watch and pray. Now, I know that means watch for the return of Christ, but while you're watching for his return, you think you can look through your windshield and pray in the Holy Ghost on your drive to the office? Stop getting on the phone with Loose Lucy sometime 
and you got a 32-minute drive. Father, how I bless you. Thank you for wisdom this morning. Thank you that you're already in the meeting I'm going to. And when you run out of words, God, give me the wisdom for how I must face this day. And then when you get through praying, hallelujah, turn your music up as loud as you can and begin to go into supplication and worship. And by the time you get out of that car, your face is going to shine just like Moses. Hallelujah, because you've been in the presence of the Lord. You don't got to be in the cleft of a rock to pray. How often are you praying for me? Now, you know Paul couldn't just sit still and pray night and day. This man was covering ground. Some of you get condemned because you can't get an hour and a half every morning. You don't got time to get an hour and a half every morning, necessarily, depending on your schedule. You got 20 minutes with God in the morning? See, I'm going to help you not be condemned. You got 20 minutes with him in the morning, amen, and then the rest of your time after you got your shower and a quick workout, don't put workout before praying, amen, but the rest of your time, you got it on your windshield time, and you got a 30-minute drive between now and dropping the kids off at school, come on, how come you didn't get a 30-minute face summer school in on your YouTube, just pulling up messages for nothing? What am I going to study today? I'm just going to study confessions this week. And it's not because I, I need something extra special. I just, faith cometh by. Yeah. You know, Pastor Rogers did eight, 12 weeks of faith summer school. Why don't I go back to that and just tap in? Right. I'm just studying faith summer school, somebody would say, all the way through the month of April until I understand all the concepts and precepts of faith. And you know what that's going to do? It's going to make you what kind of Christian? Strong. And what is today's subject? Now you're stirring up the gift. <laughs> God, this is good stuff. Good God of my boy, oh boy, oh boy. Jesus. I don't know if you love the word, but church, I love the word. He said, I thank God who I'm serving every day as my forefathers, uh, as my forefathers did. As without ceasing, I remember you how often? In my prayers, how often? And I greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I might be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance, everybody say, it's in there. The genuine faith that is in you. Good God Almighty. When I, as your pastor, call to remembrance, the genuine faith that I know is in you. I know it's in there. I know everything pertaining to life and godliness is already on the inside. It's already in you because I know because I've taught you that. I've taught you faith. It's in you which dwelt first in your grandmother. He, he names his legacy, your mother Eunice. And I'm persuaded. Everybody say, I'm convinced. Come on, say it. Make it your own confession. I'm convinced that genuine faith is in me. It's there. Everything you need, I can tell it's blessing you, Michelle. Everything you need for the next whatever in your life, it's already in there. Genuine, y'all. Y'all know what genuine means? Genuine. You know, genuine gold, they, they, they boiled it and all the impurities came to the top. Is, is genuine go well. There's a genuine faith that is in you. Paul said, I know it's there, but you got to stir it up. You got to do some things to bring that genuine faith into fruition. But wait a minute. Don't argue it, Paul, because this is the same Paul that prays without ceasing. 
night and day so you can learn a lot from him on how to stir up the gift because, you know, last I checked, he preached so long one time, a fellow fell asleep, fell out the window, died, went and raised him from the dead and went back and finished the revival. Somebody say amen to that. Look at verse number six. Therefore, I remind you, as a result of what I just said, because I know you got strength on the inside, guess what I'm doing now? I'm reminding you, church, to do what? What am I reminding you to do? Stir up the gift that is where? Within you that you got through the laying on of my hands. All I'm trying to say on the first portion of my message is for you to understand that you have this treasure in earthen vessel. You have the power of God on you, amen, in ways that you have not even tapped into. It is the word potential. There is so much already locked up inside of you, yet you have to learn how to harness the power. But you can't harness the power if you have a tradition that keeps you from joining the right church. Do you understand how long people go just to join the right church? That's not even a big decision. It got quiet on that. Then when you join the right church, how long is it going to take you just to go to a Bible study? Y'all, I'm a teacher whether you want to hear it or not. Because we're talking about tapping into the power. Then it takes like 18 more weeks before it's just normal to go to classes on Sunday morning, yet you get up earlier to go to a secular job throughout the week. And God's one day of a week that would really give you some power is the day that you sit out. <laughs> but you go to some firm somewhere, amen, bright and early, where they're going to lay you off when they get tired of you, and you're going to need the God that you ignored all this time. I wish I had some help. You're going to need the power of God to sustain you when you don't have them. But we seek first the world, and we wonder why we're weak Christians. You can't be strong living like that. And guys, I promise you, I'm glad that people joining this church is growing. But y'all, I'm going to always preach like this. I'm not going to change this. I'm not watering this stuff down. Amen. We are in the last days, and the Bible said in the last days, perilous times will come. Amen. And if difficult days are promised to come, we got to get the revelation that God gave Ezekiel. He said the world will be hard, but I'm going to make you harder than the world. But in order to be harder than the world, you're going to have to work God's program. All right. All right. So I remind you to do what? Now can we talk about God's part? Now that you know your part, which is to do what? Stir up the gift. Let's get a quick purview on how God views you and amen, and, and, and what, what his part in this disposition will be. Then we're going to merge his part to your part, amen. Then I would have done my part, and I'm going to go home, amen, and part a piece of chicken. <laughs> Hallelujah. Or whatever is planned for me to eat today. I'm, I'm low maintenance. Amen. As long as it's not spam. <laughs> I don't want no spam. All right. Let's go to Exodus chapter 7. Amen. You like it, you eat it. Amen. Exodus chapter 7. Look at this. How does God see us and what's on the inside of us? Is this good stuff? Hallelujah. So if it's good stuff, who's going to do it this week, though? (laughs) 
I mean, how many communions you going to really have this week with the Lord? Not out of a legalistic relationship with him. Just because you love him. And you're legitimately glad when they said unto you, let us go into the house of the Lord. I'm not putting any appointments on Thursday night at 7. I'm going to be on my Wednesday prayer call on Wednesday. The Lord say the same. Hypothetically, I'm saying that. All right? I'm going to do all the things God's saying doing so I can be what in the Lord? Think about this. People choose overtime over God. But which one is going to give you power for living? And if you get enough God, guess what you won't need? Because the service you should be sowing a seed in, you're going to try to become rich by toil, but you come and sow a seed and honor God, the blessing of the Lord. Come on, Proverbs 10, 22. It's going to make rich without painful toil, and you'll be able to tell that second job has been real. I don't like being tired like this. Come on, somebody. During the holidays, you got to work extended hours all the time when you could be extending your foot on a recliner from working the kingdom system. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Man, I feel like faith is growing in this room. Amen. I feel like it's growing now. Now, tell me, you want to make silver corral, we won't be mad at you. Go ahead. Amen. I got the spirit of go ahead on me now. Amen. Go ahead and do what you want to do now. I'm, I'm not sitting down until I'm done. Son. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Partner. Exodus chapter 7. Amen. Exodus chapter 7. So the Lord said to Moses, God, how do you see us? See, I have made you as God. I've made you as God to whatever you're dealing with. What is the Pharaoh in your life? Anything that's trying to oppress you. See, I've made you as God to it, but you're standing under it. I've made you as God to that issue. And Aaron, your brother, should be your prophet. I'll give you people to help you too, is what that's symbolic of. See, I have made you as God. What are you trying to teach me if I'm Moses? Man, you got all the power you need necessary to lead three million people out of Egypt. There were three million people that Moses had to lead out of Egypt. That's how big his congregation was. But don't be afraid, because guess what? I've made you as God. Everybody say, what's God's part? Yeah, I promise you I'm almost home for today. I'm just enjoying this thing now. Go over to Proverbs chapter 21. Hallelujah. What's God's part? Mm, 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 mm. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. If you're online, and I don't say the name of Jesus in vain, I say that because there's great power in it. If you're online, I want you to recognize whose part? God's part. Amen. God has a part to play. Amen. In your life. This is so good. So good. So good. Let's let's read some stuff. Look at verse number 30. Y'all y'all put verse number 30 up in my translation. I sent back there. Amen. This is so, so good. Amen. There is no wisdom, no insight, no plan that can what? Succeed against the Lord. You missed that. There is nothing you're facing in your life that can succeed. Again, we're not even talking about you rebutting or refuting or rebelling against God. I'm talking about the people, places, or things that you have to deal with on a weekly and daily continuum of your life. God is saying there is nothing out there that can succeed against the Lord. 
and you have the Lord inside of you, and greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, there is nothing that can succeed against you. It's not a plan. Some of you got a wicked supervisor you're dealing with right now, could keep honoring them and respecting them. Bring them a coffee mug full of strawberry mints tomorrow and tell them how much you just thank them for the opportunity and you will know that there'll be nothing that can succeed. They'll be packing their boxes real soon and you'll be taking Mordecai's job, Haman's job. You'll be the Mordecai taking Haman's job because there'll be nothing that what? Can succeed. You can't oppress a believer that knows his rights. Good God Almighty. I say you can't oppress a believer that knows that God has made him as God to Pharaoh. Hallelujah. Oh, shout about that right there if you know he's made you as God. There's nothing. Everybody say nothing. Nothing that can, no plan, your teachers acting up in your kid's school. There is nothing that can succeed against the plan of God. You go in buoyantly and with fire and with the power of God on you, hallelujah, and the Spirit of God says, don't even worry about what you're going to say in that moment because the Holy Spirit will tell you what to say. There is no wisdom, there is no plan that can succeed. I wish I had somebody that would hop up and give God praise because you know you've already won. Glory to God. Unemployment can't succeed. Cancer cannot. Well, where you get that from, Pastor? Cancer is a plan. The Bible says there is no plan. Who is it a plan for? Well, I give you Bible. Hey, man, come on, come on, John. Don't turn here. John ten ten. What is the plan of the enemy? The thief. What is Satan's plan? Kill, steal, and destroy. Anything that came to make you sick and get you out of this world is a plan. It's a plan. If your marriage is going through a bunch of strife right now, that's a plan. Because where there's envy and strife, there's confusion and every evil work. Newsflash, divorce is an evil work. Divorce only manifests when the plan succeeds. But I need some married couples to help me now. If you know the plan ain't going to succeed, watch this. Sangos, believe it by faith because you're married too. If you know the plan ain't going to succeed, give them great praise that you're going to stay together all the days of your life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It's a plan. Racism is a plan. Hallelujah. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Can I let you in on a secret? Some time ago, amen, the Lord, the Lord had been good uh, uh, to me in a particular area. And I knew this one contract I was working on. I just knew these people had a racist issue. For whatever reason, they, they didn't want me to have it. But I'm going to tell you what God did. He moved me into another venue right in the same neighborhood and space of the same people who didn't want, want me to have it. Y'all ain't saying nothing. And they had to go past that venue. Eh, oh, I wish I had some help. They had to deal with the reality that there is not a plan. That can stop ah, the move of God in your life. Lift your hand and say, yeah, yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. 
Come on, take your seat. I'm getting ready to get out of here. Good God, this is some good stuff. There's not a plan that can succeed. No, he's going to prepare a table before you. I need some enemies so I can eat right. Hallelujah. No, God, God ain't going to move you out. He's going to do it right there. Amen. I'll tell you never. No, he's going to do this one right here. Amen. You didn't want to see me have it, but God's going to do it right here. Hallelujah. <laughs> I just helped somebody who's battling in the corporate sector. Because it's not a plan. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, take your seat. I get excited about the word. So what's God's part? <laughs> Amen. Amen. Mom, I'm talking in code. You know what I'm talking about. Amen. No, they're going to have to drive past your stuff. You think everybody that see me on TV every day be like, oh, praise God. Some of them were previous members. Turn that TV off. Their kids say, mom, look at Pastor Gabe. He made it. Remember we were with him in the school and you started acting crazy? Look at him on the... And they say he's going national. Turn that TV off. Oh, lift your hand and say yeah. <laughs> Amen. No, they got to see it. God going to make sure they getting dressed. Why are you coming on? Life in the word. They going to they gonna have to hear it. They going to have to see it. And God's going to do you the same way, baby. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. All right, get back on the lesson, Pastor Rogers. Okay, I'm almost done. I'm not bragging. I'm only bragging in the Lord. I didn't boast in myself. I said I made it in God. And I don't, I'm not, I don't feel bad about it. No, I just remain faithful. No, I wasn't big enough for some people. But you know what I did? I remained. And then some of the places they went closed down. But I stay. Okay. All right. So what's God's part? We read this, then we go home. Look at verse number 31. Everybody say, do your part. Let God do his part. The Bible says the horse is prepared for the day of battle. Come on, don't read it too fast. Just stay with me. Don't spoil the surprise. How many of you know you're the horse? You prepare yourself, man. You get your budget right so you can close on that house. You work an honest living. You sow your seed. You love God. You do everything you're supposed to do. You pray and seek the Lord. Come on, we don't just believe in the sovereignty of God alone. We take authority over the devil. Isn't that right? We put the enemy out. Isn't that right? We do all those things by faith. But this is where I want to hang my hat, and that's enough for this Sunday. I'll see you next week. Here's the revelation. The horse is prepared for the day of battle. In other words, come here, Dave. Help me teach this thing. You are, sir, the horse. Just stand in front of that podium and look at that camera. Amen. Yeah, you the horse. You are ready, amen, to battle it out. You ready to get the job done. Can I just play God for a little bit? The horse is already prepared for the day of battle. But by the time the challenge shows up, aren't you glad it's the Lord that's going to move you out the way? 
and he's going to get the job done. I wish I had some help. Somebody in here ought to shout about that. For battle, but victory belongs to the world. Glory to God. Amen. Do your part. Let God. That's how you get promoted. Amen. You already got the NBA. Horses prepare for battle. You got the season. I'm speaking prophetically. You got everything you're supposed to. You got honor. You grew in all those areas. You sold your seed. You got harvest. But I'm so glad that victory belongs to the Lord. Lift your hand and give him great praise in the house. I'm done. <laughs> Boy, that'll make you run around the church. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah! And if victory belongs to the Lord, I'm not going to wait till the battle is over. I'm going to shout now! Amen, amen, amen. Now I'm still waiting for you to shout like you got the victory. my part. But then I'm going to let God. I'm so glad all the banks that turned me down turned me down. I'm so glad everybody that said I couldn't have it tried to stop it. Oh, I prepared for the day of battle. But I'm so glad that when the battle showed up, that he was a battle axe in the time of a battle. Belongs to the Lord. You know what God says? I'm not going to let you get the glory on this. You are going to have something where you need me. I'm going to make sure to that. You are going to come up too short or too late, but that's when provision kicks in. That's when my ability does what you can't do. That's when I put my super on your natural. Somebody shout about supernatural. Come on, stand to your feet if you're able. The horse is prepared for battle. But victory, victory belongs to the Lord. Hallelujah. And if it belongs to the Lord, it belongs to me. Because I'm his son. I'm an heir to the promise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God. Stir up the gift. Fan the flames. Go back to speaking to that situation. You believe for a new job, leave church today. Somebody's going to listen. I said leave church today and drive past the building. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Believe for a new house. When's the last time you walked in one? Oh, I got one for you. Believe for a new soul. What do you say? You go to Golden Corral and share the gospel with somebody. Can you do that today? See, won't they get born again? Give their heart to the Lord. It's supernatural. The horse is prepared. I go get my real estate license. But victory. <laughs> Hallelujah. He knows who to bump me into. Hallelujah. You have yourself a million dollar home. You know why? Because victory. Does victory belong to the Lord? Yes, it does. 
thanking God. I told you, every bank turned me down when I was buying this church. Oh, hallelujah. You know what I would do the following week? Go to another one. Sometimes in the same year. And they would always let me down slowly. They'd say, oh, your liquidity looks good, but, all right, well, thank you. And then I'd always say, you ought to come visit us sometime. One bank turned me down, and you know, you know what, I, what, I, what, I, what I already had planned for them? When we closed, call them back. You do that stuff, Pastor? I sure do. Hey, listen, I, I want to send you an edible arrangement. I want to thank you for all your support. You know that loan y'all couldn't do? Man, we closed it. Watch this, wait. I hate y'all couldn't get the commission. But I'm telling you, God was so faithful. And I just want to send you an edible arrangement to tell you thank you. I don't do it vindictively, but I do it to show forth the glory. Because I told them, this is what I told them. I told them God was going to close it. So when it closes, they need to know that God closed it. Yeah. Yeah. That's not gloating. You didn't say you did anything. You know, God did this. Make sure your heart is pure. But you know, God did that thing. And I know, I know I, it was one lender. I was teaching her faith on one of our acquisitions. And it didn't turn out right with that thing. Amen. And she said, I'm so sorry. Something like y'all can't get it. I said, no, no, no. No, we already got it. I hated that this thing couldn't do it. But God's going to close it. Do you know God closed that? So what was your plan? Exactly what I just told you. Because if I ministered faith to her the whole time, she needs to hear that faith. And then 10% of me says, next time, act right. And you make a lot of money. Amen. But you got to be strong in the Lord to act like that. You got to have buoyancy. Some of you in this room... You need to stop letting your race. I'll preach that one day. I think I might just do a whole message on that. Stop letting the texture of your skin. I don't care if you're white or black. I didn't just say black people. I don't care what your background is. Stop letting that be a filter as to what God can do. For all my precious white members that attend this church, I'm so pleased with you. Not making the excuse that I'm the only one, I'm it's only three of us, or something like that. Can I let I told the men this in men's fellowship yesterday? I never apologize for this. Let me tell you something. Do you know, generally speaking, that black people are in the minority almost everywhere else they go except on Sunday? So if you don't gotta feel bad about everywhere you go throughout the week, corporate America and everything else, where everybody is of a different race or creed, then why should my precious white members who attend KCC feel a certain kind of way? I'm not going to bend over backwards to make people feel, no, just come sit down and enjoy the Lord like everybody else. You shouldn't feel threatened by being around your black brothers and sisters. Or biracial. I got a few Hispanic members. You, you shouldn't feel a certain kind of way. Because everybody's a certain color creed except you. You be the one to go win the other Hispanic. And you go win the other Caucasian. Amen. So we fill.
encounter God through so much. I don't do that. I don't do that. When the First Baptist Church invited me to come preach, <laughs> you know what I did at the First Baptist all-white church? No, I preached. The same way I do. Huh? No, you invited. Huh? Beautiful edifice. But you know what I do? When you invite me to preach? Yeah, that was a few years ago. Yeah, I preach. Amen. And then when I invite some of my friends of a different creed or color, I, I, I don't expect them to say, Say yeah! They don't have to. That's not their style. I embrace them for who they are. But we filter God through so much. And we make decisions based off of so much. Stop doing that. Don't judge. The Bible says don't judge anything before it's time. If you're in here today and you don't know Jesus is Lord, was that a good lesson? Did that help anybody? Amen. All glory to God. I mean that too. I forgave Rogers for God. You're in here. You don't know Jesus as Lord. I'm getting ready to let you go. Come on down and get to know him right now. Come on. Come on. Don't even hesitate. Hallelujah. He'll save you. He'll deliver you. He'll set you free. Glory to God. How do you know whether or not you're saved? Are you 100% sure that if you died right now, you see Jesus? The next person you would see, you do know when you die, you know who the next person is. You're going to wake up. Oh, glory to Jesus. <laughs> That's how you're going to know you died. <laughs> Amen. You don't know until you see him. <laughs> You're like, gee, no, Jesus, I was right. Come on, let me tell you something. You're in heaven now. Yes. I like that song. I can only imagine. Yeah. I'm going to tell you what lyric they said that Gabe Rogers is going to do. And I'm telling y'all, just in case we all go into rapture, I don't want y'all getting mad at me. If we all go into rapture together, if I don't die before you, if I do before you, just know I'm, I'm doing just fine. But if I don't die before you, Amen. Did Rhonda talk to you? Get you squared away? Good. I'm a man of integrity. I do what I say. Okay, good. All right. Um, I uh, get back to the subject. When, when we all get to heaven, if the rapture happens first, all right, number one, Jesus is going to meet us in the clouds. So you're going to see him right then. But when you stand to get your rewards, I'm telling you in advance, I'm going to hold the line up. I am. Soon as it's my turn, I don't know who I'll be behind. Maybe I'll be behind R.W. Shambach. And he goes in, all right, Pastor Gabe Rogers is next. And I'm going to get before Jesus, and he's going to say, well, hallelujah! I won't even get to done. And I'm going to dance a long time. And y'all going to say, who is that up there? And you're going to see a white robe flying in the air. All kinds of glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. And I imagine I'll move out of the way when my namesake, Gabriel, comes and says, you got to move. You got you to let others in. Gabriel and Michael, it's going to take both of them to move me. They're going to have a good Baptist circle around me. All the angels, Lord Jesus, Jesus. Y'all know that old circle where somebody was dancing, hitting you in the mouth, because after all, the Holy Ghost makes you act like that. Bad doctrine.
Bad doctrine. You know when you shout and you know who you are? Don't come step on my foot talking about you got. You know I was standing here. Find you a spot and shout like somebody who got some sense. Throwing your hand, you hit me. I'm girl, don't listen to you. Hit me in my mouth like that. But in heaven, hallelujah, they're going to have a circle around me. And I'm not moving. I'm not moving. They say, yeah, man, they say this. And it'd be people from other states, they say somebody like Pastor Gabe or something. I don't know. He won't let nobody else in the pearly gates. You know, I pastor in West Charlotte, so I'm probably going to go through the west gate, go for the east, go for the south. But I'm going to hold up the west side, dancing and shouting. Hallelujah! <laughs> amen, amen, amen. Glory to God. And when you think I'm done, I'm going to lay prostrate. And I'm still going to be able to. Like, Jesus, just give him a second. Just give him a second. He'll come up. <laughs> amen. Amen. And every day I see him in heaven, I'm going to shout again. <laughs> hallelujah. hallelujah! Hallelujah! Isn't that good stuff? See, that's heavenly affection. And you know what that'll do? That'll keep you strong. Nothing in this world will deplete you because you want to see Jesus. I got some friends up there I want to see too. Amen. I can't wait to see them again. Hallelujah! That's going to be fun. <laughs>